you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 25. A quarter of a century has gone past already. It's hard to believe. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, You've made this epic journey one I will never, ever forget. 
in the history of me. Uh, 25 episodes in, and man, it's hard to believe. Almost, almost up to 6,000 listens and downloads. And let me first, straight off the bat, extend a special thank you to whoever the hell is boosting this podcast. The podcast last week received almost 350 listens or downloads in like the span of three hours. And they did not come through the 22 November network site. Because I can see, I can see where clicks are coming, you know, coming through the site. I cannot see who's referring people to Spreaker. Um, So whoever you are... A huge thank you to you, and and shoot me an email uh, and let me know who, you, who who who's doing it so I can properly thank you because uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's last week's episode has doubled any other episode I've ever done as far as listens or plays, and uh, you know I, I I appreciate it. So let me know who you are so I can properly thank you. Um. And you can find my email link under my big ugly mug where it says info. You click info and it'll have all the links that you need. My email, the Facebook page, Twitter, doesn't matter how. Uh, just please get in touch with me and, and, and let me know where you guys are coming from. Because it's awesome to see all you guys uh, checking it out. Now this week, we are going to talk... Uh, Something that normally makes my eyes glaze over and my brain go numb. Uh, the medical evidence. Now, <clears throat> I have read Best Evidence by David Lifton. Uh, it's by far not my favorite uh, JFK-related book. I'm more a fan of the the mystery aspect of it, the, the, the crime and the cover-up aspect of it. But, uh, I was asked to take a listen listen and look at, at a certain aspect of the medical evidence uh, by a listener, uh, Russ, Russ La Chapelle. Not Dave Chappelle, Russ La Chapelle. And uh, so that's what we're going to do this week. And the conversation started out um, basically wondering if I had ever heard the testimony of, I believe it's Robert Lipsky. I may have the first name wrong, but his HSCA testimony. Um, I said I had not. So he encouraged me to go listen to it. And I'll post links to all this stuff on the 22 November uh, uh, page that I'm going to create for this podcast. It'll have the links and you can go listen to it for yourself. Uh, so, well, he, he basically started out with a question to me. How do I explain, okay, if if you believe that the back wound, you know, the upper back wound on JFK did not go through and exit the throat like the Warren Commission says that it did. Okay, if, if you don't believe that, then how can you explain them not finding the bullet that caused the damage. 
or and how can you explain there being uh, no? I, I'm not sure the correct term, but no uh, evidence of any metal alloys surrounding the wound from a bullet. Well, up to this point, my best explanation has always been that that bullet had been fired from a gun using a sabo, which allows, say, for instance, a man liquor carcano bullet to be fired from a different caliber gun, say a .30-06, as it, it crimps around the cartridge to the bullet. Now, the problem in using a sabot is that it can be very inaccurate uh, because it does not allow the bullet to rifle the barrel properly, if at all. Okay, so I had always thought that possibly, okay, using this man liquor Carcano bullet, these what I call blunt nose bullet, um, because it's not, it doesn't come to a point like a uh, your typical hunting round would. Uh, th these these bullets were designed to just tear shit up when they hit you. Um. I understand it's not a true blunt nose bullet, but it was a round nose bullet. It was like just a like a somebody's bald head, like mine. Um, it was not a you know pointed cone type bullet. Um, and what I'd always thought is okay if they wanted to frame the Patsy with this Carcano. But they needed the Carcano to be in the Texas School Book Depository, so they couldn't actually fire the bullets from there and expect to get away. They could have possibly fired from a different location using a different rifle, but using a sabot uh, to deliver the bullet to the president. Now the problem, as I said before, is it's very inaccurate. Uh, somebody would have to have practiced uh, a lot doing this, uh, and have been, you know, a, a crack shot. Now it would have, uh, and I always thought, you know, and, and last year, you know, about the 50th anniversary, uh, Sam Kenny, the secret service driver of the Queen Mary follow-up car there, uh, told or confided in his neighbor Sam Kinney had since died and uh, his neighbor came forward with some information that that Sam Kinney supposedly told him that when he was cleaning out the back of the limo and we've all seen the the pictures of the Secret Service agent with the bucket and the sponge you know scrubbing down the limousine inside and he told his neighbor that he found a bullet uh, you know, uh, a pretty much intact, undisfigured bullet in the back seat. And they took it into Parkland and laid it on a stretcher. Now, we've all heard the, the bullet on the stretcher theory, or the story. And I've heard of everybody from, you know, 
Jackie Kennedy to Jack Ruby planting this bullet. But here we have, supposedly from his own words, Sam Kinney admitting to putting the bullet on the gurney. Or on a gurney. Now, as far as I can tell, okay, so if you believe that the bullet in the back did not transverse the body and exit the throat, which I don't believe it did, um, you must come to the conclusion that either the bullet is in the body somewhere or that the bullet fell out. And I've always heard Jim Fetzer, and I'm not sure of his source, say that the back wound only went in about as far as the first knuckle on your pinky, which is, you know, about a half inch or an inch. And, you know, those Carcano bullets are pretty long. So, I always thought, well, if it was fired with a sabot, it might have lost, because it couldn't rifle the barrel properly, it, it wasn't attaining its peak velocity on delivery. So what if it had enough to get there? It had enough to penetrate the jacket, the shirt, and the first couple layers of skin, and maybe a layer or two of muscle, and it got stuck. And I know it's possible because I've seen bullets half in, half out of, of, of people's bodies. Um... So, let's think for a second that possibly that happened. Of course, this happened before the fatal headshot. So, you have to take into consideration all of JFK's movements at the time of the headshot, after the headshot, where he's slumping in the seat. Jackie's tossing him around. Uh, Clint Hill's jumping on top of him. Uh... You know, they're moving him out of the limo onto a gurney when they get to Parkland. So, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this bullet could have possibly fell out of his back. And this is the one that Sam Kenny found. And I told Russ, I said, he said, well, explain why they found no metal alloy. Well, when a bullet exits a barrel, it is rifled down the barrel which means it kind of spins in a circle down the barrel like it's turning that's why when you see all those movies like in slow motion of a bullet coming out of a barrel of a gun it is rotating in the direct in, in whatever direction it was rifled through the barrel it's turning okay it's turning for a reason that's because it's rifled down through the barrel it makes it much much more accurate um so i explained to russ i said well since the bullet was in a sabot the bullet itself was probably a smaller uh, caliber than, than is normally shot out of whatever rifle it was shot out of. And with the Sabo being on there, it didn't allow the bullet itself to properly rifle the barrel. At least the bullet part of it. And... Therefore, it wouldn't have created any friction. It wouldn't have scraped any of the alloy off the bullet. It wouldn't have left tiny, minuscule particles of, of lead or whatever on the bullet as it traveled and then entered the body. That wouldn't have happened. It would have been just like stabbing someone with a knife and pulling it out and saying, okay, find traces of metal. 
Now, if it's a you know a stainless steel uh, knife, you know bright, and nice, and shiny, and you stab somebody with it, you're not going to leave anything behind. Now, if you had just sharpened the blade on the knife and stab somebody with it, you would probably leave something behind. Little tiny minuscule medical metal metal medical metal particles. I struggle speaking here lately. I don't know what the problem is. I hit these stumbling blocks of words that I never knew I had a problem with before until I'm actually saying them out loud. So these tiny metal particles uh, would probably be left on the skin. Uh, but in, in according to Russ, they were not present on JFK. Now, the point Russ was trying to make to me is that he believes, <clears throat> excuse me, he believes that a that that back wound, the upper back wound, uh, was created using I, I don't know what so I guess some form of drill. I'm not really sure what he thinks it was created with, but that it was created on the ride from Parkland to Bethesda because, of course, no bullet was found. So, and he was pointing me to these testimony of of Nancy Powell, who's Tammy True, this Ruby for, or this shit. The dancer for Jack Ruby, and how she witnessed a black hearse leaving Parkland, and a white hearse was supposed to be the only one leaving Parkland from the front. She saw this black hearse from the side leave. Now that indicates what he believes is that the real body was taken out the back in the black hearse, and the empty casket is the one that they were fighting over with Earl Rose and the Secret Service, you know, for fifteen or twenty minutes. And the reason they were fighting so hard is because that casket was empty. And the one containing JFK was already en route to Love Field to be loaded on the Air Force One. Um, so anyway, we get the uh, the real casket, the pink or gray shipping casket, out of Parkland via this special tunnel that leads out to the to the back or the side there. And it's loaded on Air Force One, and people get to work. Now, I don't know what people, uh, because you kind of need to know what you're doing. You need to be a specialist. And so we have that. And then we have, of course, the, the procession from Parkland to Love Field, the official one, you know, with Jesse Curry driving LBJ out there. And... Of course, then it's delayed a little bit longer uh, before they can leave Love Field because LBJ wants to be sworn in, so they have to wait for the judge to get there, Sarah Hughes, to swear him in, and have this little ceremony, whatever, whatever. And they really don't get to leave Dallas until approximately 3.30 p.m., which is almost three hours after JFK's shot. And we know Kennedy was pronounced dead at approximately... 1.30 I think so this gave him to get the body there it gave him almost an hour and a half probably hour and a half to two hours to work on JFK before the plane even took off and then you're looking at another you know three hours in flight 
And now, getting to the part that I want to get to about Lipsky. Okay, he states that when Air Force One shows up, okay, the real casket containing JFK's body is taken off, loaded into a... I'm not sure what color hearse it was. I think it might have been gray. And it is taken to Bethesda around back. And it arrives at approximately 7-ish. 7, 7.15, 7.30, I believe. And the one they make a big deal out of, where they're taking it off of Air Force One, and then Jackie Kennedy and Bobby, Bobby Kennedy meets them there, and they ride to Bethesda in, in the hearse, and with the ornate coffin of JFK, which is supposed to be empty, or I mean, it's actually supposed to contain his body, but it was empty. So Jackie and Bobby arrive with an empty coffin, and they're taken in through the front of Bethesda Hospital, and the x-ray technician, Gerald Custer, remembers having already x-rayed the body and, and walking through and looking out and seeing... Oh, hey, uh, Jackie Kennedy is arriving with a hearse and another casket. What's going on here? Because his body's already here. Well, come to find out, as we learn later from uh, Paul O'Connor, and the man I want to talk about today, Mr. Lipsky, who was the aide to General Wheel, who was the special events coordinator for the military in Washington, D.C. He organized such things as... Uh, you know, state funerals, uh, parades, things, official things at the White House or with dignitaries, anything that the, basically the military, uh, you know, color guard were needed. You know, he, he organized all that stuff. And he was, the, he was the general that organized the funeral for JFK. And, but his aide, uh, Mr. Lipsky, was told to stay with the body don't leave it so Lipsky tells the story of coming around back arriving at Bethesda at the back uh, removing the casket wheeling it in and Lipsky says how he actually helped lift JFK up onto the table and he was already uh, naked I assume his clothes had been cut off of him at Parkland and puts him up on the table and sits there and watches uh, the, the doctors perform the autopsy on JFK. And what Lipsky tells us is that the doctors pretty much concluded that there was three wounds to JFK. One, of course, was the blowout to the head. Uh, the second one was in the hairline at the top of the neck, at the, at the base of the skull, top of the neck, right there in the hairline. And then the third was, of course, on the upper back. Now, you may be saying, do what? And that's what I was saying, do what? Because I'd only ever heard of, of course, the back wound and of course the shot or shots to the head the occipital region there you know that was blown out and i've also seen pictures of 
JFK autopsy with a where he has a, a groove in his head, and then there's a flap on the side of the skull, and a picture where it looks like they're holding a flap up in the back. Um, so it's it's hard to tell exactly what's what here, but. You know, he's sitting maybe 10 feet away from the doctors the whole time they're doing the autopsy. He's hearing them speak. He's watching what they're doing. Uh, he got a good look at the at the blowout, you know, when he was uh, taking JFK out of the coffin and putting him up on the table. And, you know, he watched the doctors work. And the doctors were so flummoxed because they could not find... A bullet, the bullet from the back. Now, what what the doctors he says at Bethesda concluded, of course, there was a shot. I'm not sure if it was from the front or the back that caused the blowout to the head. Um, but according to Pierre Fink, it was cratered inwards, so it indicated a shot from the back. And of course. The, 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 they were figuring that the wound in the hairline, right there at the base of the skull and top of the neck, lined up just fine with the throat wound. You know, as far as where the trajectory of the bullet came from, as opposed to where the assassin was supposed to be, it lined up just fine. But this back wound, they were saying, didn't exit. That, And so... What Lipsky says is that they did. They started the autopsy. They cut JFK open. They took out all his internal organs. They cut them all up, looking for this bullet, heart, lungs, all that stuff in there, stomach, everything, everything in his thoracic cavity. They took out and cut up, looking for this bullet, and they could not find it. They did find evidence of a bullet track into his body a little ways, but then it stopped. It just stopped cold, and they lost it. And he overheard the doctor saying, well, it possibly could have ricocheted off of uh, the rib cage and w went straight down into the body, you know, into the, uh, the uh, midsection, lower, the, you know, the pelvic area or the, or, or the legs, even all the way down to the feet, which he, one of them said he had seen before. Now, I'm not sure if they took full body x-rays or not to look for bullets uh, Pierre Fink, whose testimony I listened to, to the AARB, he stated that uh, they did not. They were and they had special instructions not to cut or to autopsy the neck. It was only to be the head first, and then they got special. They got permission to do the chest, but not the neck. I assume they they. They pleaded that they needed to find this bullet. Well, they didn't find the bullet. And somewhere in the midst of things, the the wound at the top of the hairline, or right there at the bottom of the back of the neck, right in the hairline, right there at the top of the neck, disappears. And it's never spoken of again. And the Warren Commission tells us that the back wound exited out the throat. So I asked... Mr. Russ LaChapelle I said well Russ why would they go through the trouble of making a fake back wound to 
to line up with the neck when it a it didn't really line up with the neck according to the trajectory of somebody six floors up in a building and two they already had a wound in the upper neck right at the hairline at the base of the skull that would have lined up a hell of a lot better with the trajectory from a tall building and exiting the lower neck he says he didn't know so and I don't know what exactly was done from Parkland to Bethesda it's hard to say I mean, I, 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 listen, I even listened to uh, the testimony of, of Nurse Aubrey Bell, and this was to the AARB as well, who stated uh, she, she cut JFK's shirt off at Parkland, and she asked Dr. Perry where the wound was because she didn't see anything to her naked eye that would say what happened to JFK. So he tilts... JFK's head over to the right or to the left and she says she saw a big blowout kind of on the back side of, of JFK's the right back side of his head approximately three to four inches in diameter and she said she could see brain you know it was she said blood and brain and spinal fluid leaking out of this hole into a bucket now, what gets me is, I mentioned before, the autopsy photo of JFK with the groove in his upper right temple area. And, of course, the flap and all that hanging. But she doesn't mention that at Parkland. Like, it's not mentioned at all. She said his face was perfect. His temple was perfect. There was nothing, if you were to look at him, she said there was nothing wrong with him. Until his head was tilted one way and she saw the back of it. Now. That's crazy because. What Pierre Fink said. Is that by the time he got there. He didn't get there until about 830. They had already removed Kennedy's brain. You know as in taking the cranial saw. Cut the rest of his head open and took out the brain. So, I, I I don't know. Like, when, and when Paul O'Connor says that he took JFK out, helped take JFK out of the casket, you know, his his hand kind of was behind JFK's head, and you know, he kind of felt the hole back there. And that's what I hate about the medical evidence is because everybody has a different story. And if I had a nickel for every time Pierre Fink said I don't remember, I'd be a rich man. Uh, you know, and his questioning. It was always... Now, I, I think I was listening to Pierre Fink's HSCA testimony. That's what it was. Not AARB. The only AARB I listened to was Aubrey Bell. Or Audrey Bell, whatever her name is. Um, so, you know, and, and Fink speaks of, of seeing JFK's brain pretty much intact. And they were showing him pictures of supposedly JFK's brain pretty much intact and asking him to point out you know where the damage is here because they don't see it and Fink himself stated that there was a hole in the back of the head you know about 15 centimeters in diameter which is about 3 or 4 inches 
And they tried to get him to pin down what the defect was in the autopsy picture. They were trying to get him to say that it was another wound. At, right there at the, uh, the hairline when I'm talking about. At the bottom of the hairline, top of the neck. Because I'll put the picture up, but it, it looks like a, a bone chip or something sticking out there from, from like a bullet entry. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, that's, where the, that's where the second wound, according to Lipsky, uh, was. And they were trying to pin Pierre Fink down on this. And he would not, he would not uh, just come right out and say it was, a, it, was a, it was a second wound. He skirted the issue. He said, well, you know, from the picture, you can't tell because the depth of a photo is different. If I had the dead body in my hand, then uh, maybe I could see it better. But uh, from the photo, you can't really tell what is a wound or what is not. The angle is all wrong. He was, he was, he was blowing through his answers, and they tried to get him to answer it probably four or five times. You know, they were talking to him. But that—that that is what I hate about the medical evidence because you can never ever pin anything down. You know, you hear something from somebody that sounds credible, and then it totally contradicts something from somebody else that sounds credible and you know Lips, Lipsky says that he was there from the time they pulled him out of the casket to the time they put him back in the casket and this is after the morticians did their thing you know made him back up dressed him and put him in back in the coffin and you know he said there wasn't he said there wasn't an army general there directing them what to do said there was three doctors and scrubs pretty much controlling everything and you know this these stories just don't jive you know until you think for a second about why Humes would have burnt his notes and uh, autopsy report the first draft why would he do that his claim was that he had blood on him and he didn't want the blood. Sorry about that. There was a little fender bender about 20 feet away from where I'm sitting here. Where was I? Um. Oh, Humes. <clears throat> so, the reason I'm thinking Humes had to burn his, his autopsy notes in the first draft of the autopsy is because the results of the autopsy had to meet the official story of a lone assassin okay and three bullets because that's how many shells they found and they couldn't have anybody else shooting or it would have been a conspiracy it had to be Oswald and Oswald alone doing this so they had three wounds to the president right off in the back, one in the back of the head, one in the back of the neck, and one in the upper back, which is all fine and dandy. Until James Tag steps up and throws a big old Texas-sized monkey wrench into the into the, the FBI's plans for all this. Because now they have to account for a miss.
and this is not even taken into consideration holes in the Stemmons freeway sign uh, the dented chrome strip in the limo whatever they dug out of the grass over there the uh, the mark on the uh, uh, the cement around the uh, the manhole cover you know this is not even not even taken into consideration all these other misses okay James tag God rest his soul RIP sir through the big gigantic Texas sized monkey wrench into the plans because now they only have two bullets to work with okay because one missed and they had the curb strike to prove it they had James Tegg's injured face to prove it so of course the autopsy report had to be changed to reflect two wounds to the president one of them being a magic wound that goes in all kinds of different directions and changes directions in midair and somehow miraculously causes seven wounds in two people, uh, you know, never hitting a bone and coming out looking damn near pristine. Okay. And that's just not possible. You know, but they tried. That, that was what they had to try to do. And they kind of cornholed themselves there with, with uh, having only three shells found. And in some photos and some of the early reports, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's only two. So, <clears throat> and the, th the third one shows up later. Now... So why this would, of course, had to make Humes burn his notes, uh, burn the first draft and rewrite it, somehow explaining and leaving out one of the wounds. Well, it's kind of hard to hide a gigantic hole in the back that's already been photographed. But the one in the hairline is a little bit more tricky to see. Because, hang on, I'm going to have to pause this real quick. Damn fire truck pulling up. Hold on, I will be right back. Alright, I'm back. I guess somebody got their whiplash on. And this little bumper to bumper to bumper pile up here. But anyway, back to the case. And I forget where I was, but... Uh, the point of it is that yes there's inconsistent testimony between the doctors at Parkland and Bethesda inconsistent testimony between the nurses and orderlies and aides and, and everybody else you know it's you know some pictures you see his, his brains oozing out of his head you know but yet when they were questioning Fink they have pictures of a brain supposedly Kennedy's pretty much intact so who knows what to believe who knows if the autopsy photos were faked some of them it's hard to tell you know it seems like there's different wounds you know at different times and it's just all a gigantic mess and like I said before some some days my just eyes just glaze over trying to trying to take it all in
But the bottom line is, some people believe that the body was altered on the way to Bethesda, which is fine, but I don't see the reason for it. Um, maybe there was some hanky-panky going on uh, before Fink got there. But then we have Lipsky, who, who was there from the time they took the body out to the time they put the body back in. These days they were very professional. They did their job. They washed him down first. They looked over the body for a while. Then they started marking the wounds. Then they started proceeding with the, you know, making cuts. And it was all very organized and well done. So who knows what to believe? I don't. All I know is that Kennedy's still dead. The evidence still doesn't support Lee Harvey Oswald as a lone assassin. And we're right back at square one. So, I don't know. But if anybody else has any ideas or, or wants to speak further about any of this, get at me. Um, I've already told you how. If you don't know how by now, then you're a brown cow. And I was just looking for something to rhyme there, but I didn't really do that very good, did I? But uh, you get the point. If you got anything to add, maybe something I missed, get at me. Let me know. Uh, thank you, Russ LaChapelle, for bringing it up and uh, asking me to address certain things. And, I, and I'm going to do some of that in the future. Uh, I've got something else lined up for next week. Another person asked me about. And we'll get into a little bit next week about Prayer Man. Fact or fiction. That's right. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, please, 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 if you haven't already, head to the Facebook page, like the 22 November Network, uh, share share anything, everything with your friends, and me and Doug from the Dallas Action, my brother from another mother, will be in Alexandria, Virginia, at the end of September, 26, 27, and 28, for a conference on the Warren Report put on by the JFK Historical Society. And we want to see you there. Okay, these are probably the only two conferences that are going to happen this year. JFK related. Get there somehow or another. Get on a flight. Get in a car. Get on your moped. Start walking now to make it to Alexandria by the end of September. Uh, there's, we're going to be at David Denton's conference. He's going to speak. Ed Tatcher is going to speak. Bill Simpich, Doug Horn, uh, Phil Nelson, Peter Janney, Judith Baker, Gail Nick Jackson, uh, and a host of others. And if you want to know more, head to the 22 November Network site. we got the full schedule there for you to check out. Hotel information to, to, to uh, get your reservations done. And that's going to do it for me this week. Your boy, Rob Clark is shooting this arrow up to the sky to the satellite and beaming it down directly to your ear holes this is the lone gumman podcast and i am rob clark out like the drought peace people love you my favorite song that we've ever written is on this new cd in two days a new cd comes out two days raining zombies like a bastard out here and this is by far my favorite song we've ever written and it's about colorado let's
supply the monkey of war. She'd say Colorado if he'd take away. Closes the door before the winter lets it cold in. If her love is strong enough to make him stay She's answered by the taillights Shining through the windowpane He said, I don't want to see you again But I'm stuck in colder weather Maybe tomorrow will be better Can I call you then? She said, you're a Got a gypsy soul to blame and you were born for leaving Had a truck stop diner just outside of Lincoln The night is black as the coffee he was drinking Then the waitress eyes he sees the same fits or so you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.